Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast. It's been ages since I've said that. How, how long exactly has it been, Mais Aronin? I want to say four months. I think the last episode we did was pre-City. Pre-City? It would have been before October the 14th, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, um, oh yeah, fair play. Fair play. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, look for for those of you that don't know, I think most you know because I think we might have even mentioned this on social media. But obviously, we, we we took a gap. It was not we didn't plan to take the gap necessarily, but there's a lot of things that just sort of happened towards the back end of last year. And obviously, the the biggest best one was Aaron and over here had a baby girl. So congratulations, Aaron and thank you very much. Thank you very much. And if you give me give me, give me thirty seconds noises. on fatherhood, fatherhood is good. Fatherhood is good. I um. I went through a phase where I was up with her at like 1am and randomly it was an international break and I found myself watching South American qualifying, um, which kicked off at 1am because that was the only thing to do. Brilliant. So I'm now a South American international football expert for all of two weeks. <laughs> but um, no, it's good. It's been, a, it's been a ride. Any dads out there listening will know it's, there's ups and downs, but um, no, it's been an incredible experience. So um, yeah, and if you do hear any baby noises in the background, that will probably give give you a bit of context, but very much glad to be back. Well, it is, it's fun to be back, and another really like we had Mai's move jobs, and that kind of <laughs> took some energy. Mai's, how's how's the new job going, mate? It's going very well. Thanks for asking, mate. Yeah, life's good. I can't complain. Um, yeah, nothing too exciting to report on. I've I'm busy with my two kids, so um, I completely relate to where Aaron is in his period of his life. Don't miss that period at all. Uh, but we're still seeing Aaron and at the Emirates, which is impressive considering he's got what a three, four month old. But yeah, all good, mate. Life's good. Um, very, very happy to be back. I've missed you guys, even though I saw you guys last week at Liverpool game. I miss doing this. It's actually quite, it's just, yeah, it's nice to be back on a Sunday night talking to you two. Yeah, I've missed like the therapy of it. Mm. You know what I mean? This is, this is real therapy for me. Um, oh, yeah. After some of those games, like oh, that full Oh, God, game. yeah. We needed one of those. I was like, we need one of these. <laughs> we, um, no, this is very useful sometimes. I don't know if the listeners find it useful, but I, I find it useful for my mental health, put it that way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, and, and I mean, it wasn't, and so genuinely, us not recording wasn't, didn't have anything to do with the fact that we had our first real major blip of the season. Um, that was a depressing period, but we, we did get each other through it offline, even though you didn't see us on the podcast. Um, so we, we did have this date in the diary to come back and do, um, do our first episode. We knew we were going to do a post West Ham pod, you know, two, three weeks ago. It's not just because we won six nil today and, <laughs> you know, let's be, let's be clear, right? Like, you know, AFCON final is today. The Super Bowl is today, but the only thing the world is talking about right now is Arsenal <laughs> winning six nil. I mean, let's go. I mean, I think it's. I think it's the second time in Premier League history, I think, that we've scored six goals away from home, at least. And the last time was against Everton when we um, won 6-1. And it was against David Moyes as well. Um, I don't think West Ham have ever been beaten 6-0 at home, I think, since the 40s or the 60s. Something, something ridiculous like this. Like All the stats are getting broken today. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you guys feel after a win like that? Mice, you know, you... Um, You've got West Ham in the family, haven't you? So I have, I mean, it's, yeah. got, it's extra sweet. Tell me how you feel. Yeah, man. Like it's weird with West Ham actually because prior to I'd probably say the last twelve months, I've always had a bit of a yeah, I guess a little bit of a soft spot for them. Um, like you say, my my wife's side is all West Ham. My area is West Ham, where I live now, and I 
lived for the last like what 12 years or whatever it's been um so yeah i've always had a bit of a soft spot for them and they've never really been competitive with arsenal on you know in terms of the level that we've been at you know they've been in the championship before but that all cha- that's all changed in the last like i don't know yeah 12 months or so because a number of reasons really the declan rice thing and how i guess their club dealt with that transfer and tried to pull our pants down um over the fee um and then like even today and the last two times we played West Ham this season, Declan Rice went back to their ground. And then at the Emirates, you know, he's getting booed every time he touches the ball. I was there at the London Stadium when we lost in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, they had a great time, the West Ham fans, because you know, obviously they 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 beat us and we were really poor that day. And and Rice was sort of the main focus of a lot of their chance. And then this whole kind of, you know, we're the champions of Europe or whatever their chance are, which is the most ridiculous thing most ridiculous football chant I've ever heard. Like, you know, <laughs> like how, how can you, you know, I mean, look, let, uh, uh, you know, let them milk it. That's fine. But to call you to go around the premier league, like to go to away grounds and you're away for the away fans or West Ham fans as the away fans to start chanting, whatever it is, you know, champions of Europe, you'll never see that. Whatever. Like, I mean, I just, yeah. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Particularly when you're change. singing it. At, yeah. When singing it at clubs who, you know, have, who aren't shit enough to be in that competition. <laughs> yeah exactly you know yeah. I mean, really put Arsenal in that competition uh, yeah so um so yeah like I say over the last kind of year or so my my kind of fondness for them as a and then my local local team like local big team I guess in terms of distance um yeah my fondness has, has gone down a bit so I think <laughs> it was even more sweet today especially like those two defeats that we I guess we don't really care about the Carabao Cup it was just a really bad performance that game but the league game a few weeks ago especially with how we played um, and then they still got the win. It, it, I went into this game yeah, a little bit worried. It felt, it feels like West Ham have become a little bit of a bogey team for us. Obviously what happened last season there with, with Saka missing the penalty and that happening in the, the run-in and obviously that draw costing us big time in, in the, the title run-in. Um, so yeah, like I said, pre-game I was, I didn't, I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone expected that result to be fair. Um, I, thought it might be a tight win um yeah and completely completely blown away but equally i think we'd probably agree i don't know if you guys agree but like i don't i'm not like it feels like this result a six nil or five nil you know that kind of game that kind of scoreline sorry has been coming and, and we beat we smashed palace a couple of weeks ago but in a game like this against a decent team i think west Ham was six seventh in the league um you know, got some very good players. They're generally defensively decent, I would say. And Moyes is a fairly defensive, like solid type of manager. They play players like Suchek in midfield, you know, kind of trying to shore up the midfield. And we absolutely, absolutely obliterated them. We absolutely destroyed them. And um, yeah, like like I said, I don't know if you guys agree, but as, as surprised as I was to see us score six goals, I'm also not that surprised because I think you look at all the stats and you watch us play week in, week out. We're gen- we have been generating chances, especially since, you know, the turn of the year. And it has felt like it's just a lack of being clinical, which is which is what, what's cost us. And that seems to have turned a little bit in the last few weeks, um, which is obviously really nice to see. But yeah, man, like, what can you say? Just buzzing, man. Buzzing. What a win. It it, it feels like you know, your point about it coming, whether this a, a scoreline like this was coming... In one lens, from a purely West Ham lens, you feel like it probably was because if you go back to last season when we drew, um, unfortunately drew, 
I imagine we probably had a lot of shots in that game. I can't recall all of it, all of the game very accurately, but I'm pretty sure we dominated for a lot of that game. Then if you go home this season, forget the League Cup because, you know, it's the League Cup, but if you go to the home game this season where we lost 2-0, we had 30 shots that game. We had 25 shots today. That's 55 shots over two games against West Ham. And I don't know how many shots there would have been in that, as I said, the, you know, the first game that I mentioned, the, the, the two-all. So, Aaron, do you, do you think, like, what, what is Moyes' tactic? I mean, Moyes probably turned around before. If he, might, he might turn around and go, well, who are you to criticise my tactic? We drew that time, the first time. We won at the Emirates. But it's a bit, a bit random, like a strategy being willing to concede so many shots. Yeah, they're, they're a bit of a, a weird team, aren't they, with their defenders... I mean, well, they started with was it Zuma and Ag, I can never say it, Aguad, Aguad. They got oh, yeah. the one that you think looks Aguero. like Aguero, <laughs> but and the D is like almost an O, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Aguad, and um, they were rubbish. Um, yeah, I think they've just like West Ham don't really. I mean, the, the both of their games, it was just like they're just going to sit deep, try and like I think they had twenty five percent possession in the home game again when we were at home. Um, a league cup, I remember it was very similar, and it was you know, sit back and then just hope we make a mistake. And then, like, it was almost a bit of a smash and grab, right? And then we weren't really good enough, especially when we had the league cup squad. But even at home, we just didn't take our chances. Um, and I always said, like, if we'd scored first today, I was very confident. But if West Ham had scored first today, I think it would have been a very, very different game because that would have just given them something to hold on to. And I think all they had was, let's just not concede the first goal. And the minute we scored that first goal, the game was over. They'd given up. They had nothing else to do. Um, they they just didn't look like, you know, they, they, I think they need a striker. They, I don't really think they've got a real plan going forward with, you know, they play Bowen up there sometimes. And it's they're just a bit of a messy team. Um I can see why their fans are, are turning on Moyes, right? Because, yeah, you know, on paper, you know, we all remember West Ham being like, you know, they're fighting for relegation. Moyes has come in. He's improved them. He's won a trophy. So you think, okay, well, they should be grateful for what he's done. But you watch that team today and you think, like, what is there to be excited about with West Ham? I mean, they lost to Man United last week. Like, that was when I was like, if you lose, was it 2-0, 3-0 to Man United? Um, I think it was about 3 nil in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, they had they had a lot they had a lot of shots. Just about to say, they, they always, uh, no, I know, but exactly, and they still lost to Man United, and I'm just like oh, this. It, yeah, they're not a good team. Like we were great, I thought we were unbelievable today, but they they were not good, and I, I do feel a bit sorry for their fans because the eighth they they eighth or eighth or ninth. It's not that bad, is it? No, they were. They, I think they were seventh before they played. Oh, right. oh, they're coming seventh, are they? Let me check. No, yeah, they mate, mate, they're not. They be, oh, they do that. So eight, I, I, eight, I, eight, no, bloody hell. Yeah. I agree. I agree with what you said, Aaron. <laughs> like we were like we were fantastic. So I think that was the main reason. I think we were that good today. We quite literally just blew West Ham away. And like you say, that first goal, it just seemed to open up the well, not, not so much open up, but I think, yeah, maybe that gave us the confidence to then just go. And that's what I was saying, because I watched the game with Nero today in the pub, and that's I said the same thing to him. I said, mate, we're one new up. You can so see us remaining on top, dominating possession, but not being clinical enough. Again, kind of linked back to what I was saying before, not being clinical enough to get the second. And then at some point, West Ham get a chance from somewhere, cross a set piece or something. 
and or Bowen on the counter attack or whatever, and they get a goal, and then all of a sudden it's a it's a game again when it shouldn't be, and and that is not what happened. Obviously, we completely, like I say, obliterated them. Um, we just we took our chances, man. It's like sometimes it's like sometimes it's really is like quite simple in that like we've been pissing away so many chances, chances right? right? Like we actually missed. A we shit. missed quite. Yeah, we, it could have been like it could have been ten nil, mate. We it could have easily been ten nil um, because we had some good chances that we missed and. Like, but we just created so many chances, and we fit. Like, some of the finishing today was ridiculous. Like Trossard's goal, Rice's goal. Um, I think our XG was something like three point four, which is actually not that much higher than it was against Liverpool. But yeah, it's four point three six. Apparently, was it four point three six? Okay, I saw something lower. Okay, um, but really- yeah, it was. It it was just mate. It, we were just everything was great. Like set pieces, finishing. Yeah, go on, Raj. No, no, carry on, carry on. No, I just think <laughs> I'm just going to carry on and wax lyrical about how good we are, basically, we are today, because it it has, like, this attack has been so weird because we've, we haven't been able to figure out, like, we've been scratching ourselves, like, in the, scratching ourselves, that sounds weird, scratching our heads. <laughs> thinking, still scratching um, ourselves, still scratching yeah, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you want we're, we're scratching our heads, thinking, um, <laughs> like, is this attack good? Like, what it, is this attack good? Are we not? Are we just not taking our chances? Or do we need a new striker? We've gone through like the full range of emotions over the last uh, last two months, right? Um, but we've always said like we're creating enough chances to win games, and there was periods where we were still creating chances. The home game against West Ham being the perfect example where we were like, did we play badly, or did we not just take our chances? And on another day, could that have been three or four one, right? Um, and today we just did what we needed to do, scored chances, took them, and then you know we always defend well enough to make these games a non-issue. But it's interesting in it because because there was that period. So West Ham was like this. West Ham and Liverpool and the FA Cup were were the sort of um, the peak of what had been building up for a while. This kind of wastefulness, that wastefulness, that 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 um, you know just just being pretty poor in the final third particularly kind of, you know, when it comes to the final shot was poor for a, for a while. Right. And then two things happened. Saka dyed his hair black again. (laughs) It was blonde. Well, that blonde phase. And, you know, we were crap in that blonde phase. And then we, and we went to Dubai Mm. and uh, on a serious note, like, you know, if preseason, sorry, if mid season, trips away have this kind of effect on teams like whatever whatever they did in dubai man i mean that needs to be studied because we've come back from that there's been four games we've got 16 goals Crazy. we've got 16 goals in four games and conceded two the two that we conceded think about the two we conceded right one was that liverpool freak like we had to you know come on man we had to score we did we did our best to score the goal for them <laughs> yeah Yep. Do you know what I mean? And the other one was that was you know against Forest. It was you know Saliba. How often is going to Saliba going to lose a duel like that? You know we're already two in a lap. It's kind of a bit of a lack of concentration, whatever. These, these aren't systemic issues, right? Whatever happened in Dubai, Mize, I mean, can you? Is, is there anything that you can point to to suggest why there's been a change, such a big change? Um, I mean, yeah, like I think the timing of that break was obviously perfect because, yeah, as you said form results everything went really badly in december 
And uh, we lost games that we just obviously shouldn't have lost, um, like Fulham and West Ham especially, is, is, is the ones that stick out in my mind, the really frustrating frustrating defeat, sorry. And maybe it's just a case of it was the perfect time to just reset. Um, and I feel like with Arteta, he's obviously the kind of manager where he has, you know, he has his plan, he has his way of doing things. And it feels like, you know, he's got the full backing of the players as well. And I think when you get the opportunity, like, I have no idea, I'm completely speculating here, but when you have the opportunity to kind of, almost get away from it all right get away from the rigors of like the premier league and the, the kind of schedule and everything and 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 almost just yeah have that week or so period to reset and refocus the team and really kind of set the direction for what we're going to try and do in the second half of the season i can completely see why it would have been beneficial um and it also felt like a lot of players, and you think of the obvious names like Saka, probably our cent- both our centre backs, probably Rice, Erdegaard. Like they're playing a lot of minutes. Like it feels like they just never get a rest. And again, you have a two week gate break in between games, that really helps. But I think also just being able to almost, yeah, I don't know, is it just switch off? It's not really switching off because I know they obviously went there for a training camp, but just being away from, like I say being away from this country, maybe it just helped in, in that sense as well. And I, 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 it just, it just feels like the club did whatever they needed to do in that, in that period in Dubai, that little break. And they really got it right, basically. Um, because yeah, like you say, we come back, we look refreshed. We still have injuries that we're carrying across the team, which is a bit frustrating. And we obviously didn't feel it today. We haven't, we haven't felt it, but at the same time, yeah, team look, team looks refreshed and, I don't know, maybe they maybe they worked on a few things where it was more focused on, right, look, we've done all of these fans like basically before before Christmas, before the new year, we were talking about um, you know, this team is very effective. This team isn't as gung-ho as it was last season. It's maybe not as attacking, but it's become a lot more solid at the back. And but it, it's almost a little bit more boring to watch for the neutral, but we're effective in terms of getting results. And obviously that's sort of turned a bit in December. And maybe they then, maybe as a club or in terms of the coaching staff, Arteta, maybe there's a bit more of a, re, a refocus around, okay, look, we've kind of nailed it at the back and we, we've we got that solidity. We've got Rice protecting the back four. Now we need to work out how do we actually take advantage of all this domination we're carrying in games and, you know, field tilt and possession and chance creation and touches in the box like all of these stats that we're probably doing doing done really well at uh, well in the whole season how do we actually convert that into what really matters which is goals um but yeah man i don't i don't we obviously we don't i don't i don't know exactly what what went on in that that dubai camp but yeah i think there's probably a few things that came out of it and i think definitely like freshness it looks like a few players a lot fresher at the moment like i said i think question now is like with a very thin squad at the moment how do we maintain that going into like when Champions League comes back in a couple of weeks? That's probably what's going to be the the challenge next, I guess. The freshness is a powerful point, though, isn't it? Because like Ch- Charles's comment here, I um, I didn't it didn't tweet to me. But it's just tw- tweet now when I read his comment where he's saying, you know, last year West Ham draw and Liverpool draw. This year, you know, we've we've played them just both in succession and, and two wins. What didn't it didn't tweak to me like that last season, remember when the wheels did come off, those two games were right next to each other and they 
right next to each other this season as well. Yeah. I know slightly slightly different because um, Liverpool was uh, away then and it was home this time. But still, the point is, you know, as a benchmark, we've we've played these two teams just now and we've beaten them both. Charles' question is, does it show that a strong run is possible? My point about freshness. I mean, Aaron, you know, it feels like we've got we've had these this a four game run as I've just mentioned where we've been phenomenal in attack and defense. No one's done better. No, no one in the Premier League's done better in, in attack, and no one's done better in defense in the last four games. Phenomenal, and we've got like Mize mentioned the injury list today was big, right? And these aren't these aren't like these aren't like backup players that are getting injured, right? Is a uh, Jesus Party Timber Tommy Ass is not there. Vieira's not there. Jorginho has been such such a you know revelation in the big games. He's he's not there. Um, Zinchenko's right. not there. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Smith Rowe. I mean, you know, as in you know the list goes. These are. Yeah, that's that's eight players that we've just named, right? Um, it, all of those eight players in different to different levels are are players that can add to this this team, you know. And many of those players I've just, I've just mentioned arguably start, you know, if you put our best team in inverted commas out. So if we look at the you know what the the, the games that are coming up and the rest of the season, the reintegration of those eight players at different points in time. Do you think that could be a big thing for us? Or do you think there's also a risk that, you know, sometimes when you've got a smaller group and you, you're only reliant on a smaller bunch, you can only do fewer things. And, you know, you, you don't have so many different grand ideas of tweaking and this, that, and the other. You just have to do what you've, you've got dealt. Do you think there's any challenge with that? Uh, I think, look, I'll be honest before, before the game got going, I was very worried about today because I, I saw that squad and I saw I saw the starting lineup and I think you guys were having a debate about the system. But you know the reality was that was the <laughs> they were like the only eleven players that were really going to play, and it was like you had kind of had to make that system with those eleven players play work because I know Jorginho was on the bench, but um, he didn't apparently he wasn't fully fit. I don't think so. You know it had to be that eleven that started. Right, um, which left our bench looking very, very weak. And you know, the reason we won today was because those eleven players just turned up. Right, like Rice turned up. Um, you know, Odegaard, I thought, was brilliant today. The defense was excellent. Every player just turned up and put put a proper shift in. Um, and I think, but that's very rare, right? You you usually need a couple of players to come on. And I think the worry is that if there's another game and it's you know, we need some of these players back quickly because um, we're not going to be able to run with those. The 11 players that started today won't be able to get you for a whole season, the rest of the season. You're going to need the likes of Jesus back. You're going to need the likes of Zinchenko back. Um, Tommy, all of them, right? We're going to need them at some point. So, yes, I think we need them back. Um, Will it, you know, I think the question is how fit will there be? Because I think what's been clear is over the last couple of weeks, a couple of these players have probably been playing through injury or playing through the pain barrier. And really, like, you know, those guys that are out have never really, haven't looked good for a while. Like Jesus has been in and out of the team and hasn't really looked like he's been back to his best, right? We saw what it was like the first half of last season before the big injury um, and even bits of last season. And hasn't really got to that level of consistency just yet. Zinchenko, uh, you know, has been... Yeah, Zinchenko is Zinchenko. He, he does his own thing. Um, Smith Rowe, you know, someone we, we got start two or three games ago against Forrest, right? Um, since then, hasn't really been able to push on. 
Um, so I hope that, you know, one thing that this little break has been able to let us do, and the fact that up until, I guess, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going one game a week, just means that we don't have to rush these players back. And actually next week, we can see, you know, hopefully Zinchenko will have been given a full week to come back to fitness. He might have been close, but we didn't risk him. Jesus, I'm not really sure what the latest with him is, but again, we need, we basically just need these players back, but they need to be fully fit because I just think when some of these players, like a lot of these players need to be fully fit to be able to do what they do. And without it, we really struggle. I think, I think what's really interesting is I completely agree with everything you said, Aaron. And I think what's really interesting is this period that we're in now is, you know, when you look at Arsenal seasons of the past, it's often a period that we do really struggle in January, February. Um, and it feels like we're obviously coping pretty well without a number of key players. And it kind of bodes pretty well for the run-in because I agree, we need, we need some of these players back, even if it's just a case of bodies um, as opposed to quality, because obviously we can see the quality that we've got across the team and we're now scoring goals and we look defensively very, very assured, very solid. But there's going to be a period coming up pretty soon, March, April, that when the run-in does kick in and if we are still into competitions, if we are still challenging for the league, that's probably the time where if your party does, if a Thomas party does come back, if a Hazers can stay fit for 12, 13, 15 games, whatever it is, you know, if Smith Rowe can contribute a little bit, Tommy Asu's in the in, in and around the squad or is available. But that's probably the, you know, I feel like timing wise, we're coping well at the moment. But what I'm looking for is, is basically what Aaron is saying. But I think it's going to just, you know, it, I, I'm just basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is just very impressed. I'm very impressed that we're doing as well as we are at the moment um, with a lot of big names and big players to come back and players that can probably contribute a lot and make a big difference in in that. Yeah, last two, two and a half months of the season. If if we do win something, I think one thing that actually might get overlooked, especially around this period, is actually the impact of actually going out of the FA Cup to Liverpool. Um, because what that meant was two things, right? If we had drawn that game, we would have had to come back, I think, three or four days before Palace to play a replay. Um, and the winter, the winter break, the away trip probably wouldn't have happened. Um, if we'd obviously won that game... We would have had a week. So basically we played Palace and then we had two weeks off again. So we had a two-week break. We played Palace and then we had two weeks off and then we played Forest. And that really just allowed us to sort ourselves out. Um, and you're right. It, if it just means that because of that, we didn't have to play, you know, Saka wouldn't have got the extra game. Rice wouldn't have got the extra game. Um, and we could have, and we were, we were able to now rotate. And the, every player is just that 2% fresher. Um it might just be that little thing that gets us over the line this year. Um, still a long way to go, obviously, but like, yeah, just don't underestimate the impact that going out of the cup actually, like it's horrible, right? I was so annoyed that we went out of the cup because mm. like all of us, we've got this special relationship with the FA cup and um, it just doesn't feel right that we're not in it. But the way the scheduling worked out this year, it might've just been the reason why we we're able to go and win six nil today. Is it the details will, will get overlooked often, you know, at the end of the season when you reflect back and I kind of feel the the ends will justify the means to some degree. Like you say, if we if we do win a trophy, then I think you're totally right. I think we could probably look back on it if we, you know, go into the detail and, and say exactly what you said just now. The annoying thing I suppose is if we don't end up winning a trophy, 
I think it will still feel like in the end of the season that it was really annoying going out of that FA Cup because the FA Cup is a winnable trophy, right? And do 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 you guys worry about this at all? That you know, ultimately, um, you know, whatever we do this season, let, let, let's just say this season we end up with a good Champions League run, uh, but don't win it, and let's just say we end up we carry on doing quite well in the league, but don't win it. Um, are you gonna feel a sense of um, lack of progression? Um, are you gonna feel like there was something grave and problematic that we didn't do that we should have done? I think they're two they're two different things, right? Well, I I think there are there might be a few things that we look back and we say, oh, we should have done this or we should have done that. Um, would I feel a lack of progression? No, because ultimately i think you know as good as today was i I just can't help shake the feeling that city are just going to do what city do and just win every bloody game and even if we do we're i think us and liverpool are just two very very good teams that are competing for the title at a normal level right like normal teams do the problem is you can't be normal you have to be you have to be near enough perfect right because that's what you're competing with um and therefore i've already made peace with the fact that if we lose the league to city it's it's just man city being man city right um if we lose the league to liverpool and we come second i think that will feel a bit like frustrating because we would have been better than city let's say we come second to Liverpool and we've actually City finished there, that'll be really frustrating because I actually think, you know, as we've shown last week, on our day, we're better than Liverpool. Um, and you know, Liverpool, we're kind of on par with them financially. I think man man, we've probably got a very similar squad, if not better in some areas. Um, so that would be frustrating. I, I still don't think it means lack of progress because look, I think, when you take a step back, people often ask me, like, what do you think of Arteta? What do you think of Arteta? Like, how's he doing? Especially after that run where in December and January we lost a couple of games and people were like, oh, is Arteta, like, just not really been able to do it? And I'm like, look, mate, this guy is, like, in his first full season and first full proper job competing with the two best managers in the world. Um, like, like what, what more do you want, right? Like, yeah. there are literally, I think, only... And these are two of the best managers who have been in the game for, like, 20 years one with like unlimited money um and the other who is you know quite possibly the best manager of the last 15 years um and Arteta is going toe to toe with these two players with these two managers and these two teams um and I think just the fact that we're we're doing this like I'll just be happy if Arsenal become a regular Champions League team competing for the title and we're going into every season thinking Oh, we've got a chance of winning it this year. That yeah. for me is progress. Then it's just a lottery, right? As long as City are in City and doing what City do, um, like I, I don't think anyone can complain because yeah, I'll just remind people it could be so much worse. And <laughs> like we could we could spend a billion pounds and be battling out with Villa for sixth place. Um, or we could spend a, a yeah, billion a billion and a half and be like 15th, like Chelsea are, whatever they are. Um, so no, I don't think, I don't think there's, I'll be frustrated. 
you, you know, yeah. just well, you, in this whole time that you've been talking, you've been very gracious to not mention the fact that Man City have got the 115 charges hanging yeah. over their head. You that know? too. It's like, what can you do, man? I honestly, I was watching Man City yesterday and I was just like, well, what can you do when they bring on De Bruyne off the bench? And he just plays a perfect through pass to Haaland and he's just like, like a perfect finish. And I'm just like, oh, it's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. um, how how do you compete with that? <laughs> like, all, all that Arsenal can do really is obviously win games, but we just have to stay in touch and see what happens. And if City somehow miraculously, you know, drop points in games that we obviously don't expect them to, we just need to be there. We need to be there. I'd, I mean, I I agree with what you said, Aaron, and about if Liverpool win the league, like I, I'd be disappointed. I, I, well, let me get let me get what you said correct, but. If Liverpool win the league, regardless of where it, we're second or third, I'd be disappointed because it obviously means that City have slipped up somewhere. And I think it, to City are the team to, yeah. that we need to finish up. Like, you know, if City slip up, then we should be the team winning the league because I think that's your chance. And it means to yeah. see between, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think Liverpool are they're a great team, um, but they just seem more, they seem more human. They seem more mortal, right? Mm. Um, and they haven't got to where they've got to by cheating. Like they've they've got to where they are by being well coached, a good manager, buying good players, and those players have just turned up. Um, and and we can do that, and we should be doing that. Um, and we've got the capabilities to do that. Um, so yeah, yeah, exactly. If Liverpool win it, I'll be happy for Liverpool because I'm just so tired of. I mean, Liverpool fans annoy me, but I'll be happy for Liverpool. Um, I like Liverpool as a club um, because I think they're the only reason the Premier League just isn't the Bundesliga. Well, the Bundesliga is actually quite interesting this year, but um, generally, like, if it wasn't for Klopp, it would be Man City winning the title by 15 points every year for the last seven or eight years. Um, But you'd still rather City win it, right? I'd still want yeah, to see because, because no yeah, one cares. Liverpool fans, Liverpool fans. Yeah, it's the fact. Yeah, oh, I, I agree yeah. with you. I, I like Liverpool <laughs> club. I like Klopp. I like a lot of their players. They, yeah, and, and in terms of what they stand for compared to City, but st- you still, unfortunately, nah, yeah, I can't deal with those Liverpool fans because my God, they talk a lot of nonsense. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we've got reluctantly. Like, I guess my point is, if Liverpool win it, if I take off like the tribalness of it, I think it'll be quite good for football. Um, yeah, fair point. But then I'm just not that big a man. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, but you know, assuming assuming Man City carry on being Man City for for as long as you know, just hypothetically, Guardiola never leaves. They never get any um, any punishment for the charges, and they just continue being this Man City. Does the does the Champions League constantly then represent a better or more realistic trophy for us in in this environment because i look at i look at it now and i i I think that i i think if we played man city over two legs i'm not saying we'd be favorite but i think we could do it i think we could beat man city over two legs i think we could beat pretty much anyone over two legs again i'm not saying that that makes us the favorite but i i certainly wouldn't go thinking oh you know we've not got a decent chance like i think we've got a decent chance because anyway i think the way that we are coached now, just the, the style of the team. I mean, even if you look at the, you know, our our record against the traditional top six this season, it's the best out of you know all those six teams. I think we've played six, one, three, drawn three. We, we're un, we're unbeaten. Um, 
I, I feel like we're quite good. Like I said, does that does that still give you hope? The fact that that's a trophy that can be won, you know, over knockout ties as opposed to, you know, having to deal with the might of a Man City squad over a Premier League season, Mize? I think I agree. And like I say, knockout football, right? It can be a bit of a lottery, lottery at times and comes down to sort of fine moments. We've obviously been on the wrong end of loads of um, like two-legged ties where it's gone to away goals. I know that's away goals isn't a thing anymore, but so... Absolutely. Like there's no, there's no reason that I can give you or, or say to that as to why Arsenal can't potentially go far in the Champions League or why it doesn't maybe represent a better opportunity of a trophy in terms of quality. I think maybe inexperience might be a, might be a reason like this team doesn't have any real experience of like super high pressure Champions League or, or European knockout, knockout football. And, and you look at City under Pep the first few seasons they were trying to crack the Champions League and they were spending money and they had quality teams with some of the best players in the world. And you think of like Company and Yaya Toure and Aguero and all the rest of these players and they still, they couldn't do it, right? And and they even got to a final and Kai Havertz won the Champions League for Chelsea against them. So, you know, it, I think that's maybe maybe what City learned or what City kind of picked up over those failures in the Champions League over what four, five, six seasons is you get that experience and you learn what you did wrong the last time round so you don't make that same mistake again. And I think that's maybe maybe the area that I think it might, you know, if we if we get past Porto, it opens up, right? Because then you maybe get a decent draw. Yeah. And who knows what happens. Um and like I said, maybe it comes down to like very small details and small margins. But I think also at the same time, Arsenal don't Arsenal and Arteta haven't done very well in Europe previously, and we just don't have that that kind of know how and how to navigate certain situations. And like you know, if it's extremely tight, I'm not saying we can't do it, but I'm saying we haven't seen us do it yet. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe the thing that I'm a little bit more reserved about. How far can we go in the Champions League? But and also, you made the point like if we can't do it in the Premier League over 38 games, which is obviously extremely, extremely tough with what we're up against. I still think Man City over two legs is still a really, really difficult proposition. I was going to say, I actually think I would fancy us in the league at the Etihad, like on our day to just go there and for once actually turn up and beat them. And I think if we are going to win the league, I think we're basically going to have to to go there and win. But I do fancy us to do it in one game. The worry is over two games, can you really keep someone like Haaland quiet for, for 180 minutes? Can you really keep De Bruyne quiet for 180 minutes? Um, it's interesting because if, if there's anyone in, you know, f- okay, forget the mental side of being in a European competition, but just on paper, if there's any team in the world that can do it, it's us. We've, we're arguably the best defensive team in the world. So if, yeah. if there's anyone that can do it, then it's us. Yeah, I was listening to the um, I can't remember what the podcast is with um, Gary Neville, Carragher, and Ian Wright. There's the one they do. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, the, the, um, the, uh, the stick to football. Stick to football. And they they were yeah. talking about this, and they were like talking about the Champions League, and um, they were like, "Can anyone beat Man City?" And they were like, "Maybe Bayern." But then Carragher was like, "Actually, probably the only team left in the Champions League that could beat Man City over two legs is going to be Arsenal." Um, and I think Roy Keane actually agreed, said, um, what well, kind of Roy Keane or Gary Neville said, yeah, probably actually like the, the problem is like, yeah, like you say Man City waited and like they've built up experience. I, 
have a slightly different opinion is they kind of just kept getting richer whilst everyone else in Europe got a bit poorer. And, and eventually the financial disparity was so big that, um, and other clubs just didn't manage their money so well that they, it was kind of obvious that they were going to, they were the best team and they were the best team and the richest team in Europe for the last three or four years. And they should have won it two or three times. Um, and eventually their financial might not only just started telling in the Premier League, but it also starts telling in Europe. And I don't, I don't think anyone will get close to matching City's financial and footballing ability for the next four or five years in Europe, um, mm. which is quite depressing, really. Like we look to Europe as like, oh, we go to Europe and City are, you know, it's a bit of a le- more level playing field. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, you've got Madrid and they, you know, with Bellingham and and Vinicius and whatnot, they they might be able to like match them but really apart from them there's there's nobody else like barcelona not what they were psg i don't think can do it bayern you know struggling uh even at home domestically um i think mate city the what city's financial power and the way and to be fair the way they've been using that financial power well and spending it well um just means i think they're so so far ahead and it's only because of their own like failings where they've randomly dropped points that basically all of European football is not ridiculously boring. But are, we, are we being a bit doomsday about it though? Because in reality, like regardless of all this money, as you pointed out, as you guys have both pointed out, you know, they've got the best manager in the world and, and at some stage, maybe quite soon, they won't have him. He will leave at some stage. He's not going to do this forever. And then all of a sudden, as we've seen all, all around Europe, it's not that easy. Some of these big clubs, they get a new manager and, you know, even on paper, some of these guys are good managers. Look at Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel he's, a, he's a good manager. You struggle, right? I mean, all, all, it, all it takes is a manager who is 10% less good than Pep to go to Man City. And all of a sudden, it gets a bit more even. All of a sudden, you know, that that, that that's all it is, right? Our, the difference between Arsenal and Liverpool and Man City, it's... it's it's not vast at the moment. It's still margin. It's just a consistently they're able to beat that margin because of all that quality that they do have. But, you know, so do, do we need to be a bit more, should we be a bit more optimistic? Or do you think that financial might ultimately, they will get another top manager and it's just going to be the same, same shit. I don't know. I mean, uh, I just, just had this worst feeling in my head, which was like, well, what if they went and bought Arteta instead? Um, but no, I, I don't know. It's hard, right? I think Pep is good. I would love to see Pep with slight, with let you know. I would love to see Pep try without unlimited money or without Messi and see how he does. Um, which is why, like when Klopp, you know, when the whole news about Klopp uh, leaving Liverpool at the end of the season, people had this debate about Pep versus Klopp. I've always said, I think Klopp is undoubtedly done a much, much better job. And had a much harder job. And I think you'd probably say he's a better all-round football manager than Guardiola is. Like, Guardiola is probably the better tactician. Um, but I think Klopp, you know, the way he's been able to kind of just reinvent this Liverpool team a bit this season after the disaster they had last season, get them going again, tweak it, kind of reinvent their midfield a bit, all while, all whilst having to kind of live under some kind of financial responsibility. Um I think he's done a far better job than Guardiola has, but let, let's see. Let's see. I don't know. If, I think yeah. eventually City will get found out and the lawyers will hopefully get to them. And then let's see if Guardiola sticks around then. 
Well, it's just kind of anchoring back to Arsenal now, right? And just kind of where we are right now and, and looking at the rest of the season. Mm. Is there anything that, that concerns you at this point? Because, you know, it's been a really good period and it feels really positive. And I think what we were talking about before the Liverpool game was that, God, if we lost the Liverpool game, then all of a sudden we're dragged into this top four battle, top five battle, and it's suddenly, you know, motivation, blah, blah, blah. Now it feels like as a result of the Liverpool game and the West Ham game today, it feels like that's not a concern anymore. I mean, touch wood, it feels like it's it's really almost like a top three and and then there's almost the rest. Um, but but reg- regardless, I don't know whether you feel that way or not. What are your concerns about our team and our squad for the rest of the season? I mean, like Charles is, is talking here. He says, I'm more concerned about the lack of mixing up in defence. Our CB duos are great, but with Champions League kick, um, knockouts and, and PL running, either of them injured will have an impact on the team's defensive record and affect Reyes' form. Obviously, just, you know, he's, he's, he's pointing out the fact that we've got these two absolutely um, elite centre backs who have been, you know, okay, w- whether or not you can argue whether Gabriel's elite or not, let's, let's save it for another day. But the point is, as a partnership, elite, and clearly there's a drop off. Is that, does that concern you or are there other things that concern you? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Charles is definitely right. Like we saw last season what happened when without Saliba for the back end of the season, our season basically fell apart, didn't it? So uh, he's completely right. Like that partnership has been well, one consistent, but yeah, it's probably the, I mean, look, I, I, I think as Arsenal fans, we don't question it. It's the best part. It's the best defensive partnership in the league, bar none. I'm sure City fans might challenge that and maybe fans from a couple of other teams, probably Spurs fans might challenge well, that. They, but, because City, City wouldn't even be able to challenge that because, you know, they've got an amazing squad of defenders. If they had yeah, the best centre-back yeah. partnership, they play that every yeah. week, but they don't. I mean, I guess if you said first choice or kind of, best two players Diaz and Stones but yeah you're right they don't they're not really a partnership or a pairing but anyway um and yeah and I think if you lose one of those two players then absolutely it's going to affect us I think it comes down to I, I feel like we're in a better position to cope with a centre-back injury this season than last if you think Tommy Asu can can play there Kivior can play there so I think I think and Ben White could obviously play there as well. Even Declan Rice could potentially play there. So I think there's options there that maybe means that it wouldn't be as like fatal to our season if we say did lose Saliba for two months or whatever it is. But you'd still very much worry. I, I think overall the squad, like if we do get a few players back, the squad does start to look a bit more healthy again. And so I think the kind of whole injury, uh, well not so much injury, but the whole kind of um, do we have enough backups and do we have enough in reserve for when those injuries come about I'd feel a bit more confident this season compared to last as well but then equally you take Declan Rice out of this team for example it's a different team like you can't how do you replace the probably well in my opinion the best centre midfielder and the best holding midfielder in the league I don't think you can how do you replace the best defensive partnership in the league you probably can't so it's a question of can we cope for a period of games without them I don't think I'm I don't think I'm massively concerned because I think if it happens it happens. Like we have a good squad, right? When everyone's fit, we have a we have a we have a good squad. I wouldn't say it's at city's level necessarily. Um and you could nitpick at a few players or not nitpick but you could probably point at a few players and say well, Elrenny's at the level, Cedric's not at the level, Reese Nelson, Eddie like yeah, okay, fine. But overall, it's a pretty good squad. And we've been without party the entire season. We've been without Timber the entire season. We've been without Hazers for chunks of the season. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, th- I think we've hopefully got the squad to cope. Um, 
I think the other concern, if we're talking about concerns, I think is still we don't have a striker. Basically, we don't have a striker. Like Jesus is not fit. Can we rely on him? Probably not. Like he'll probably come back, and you just don't know. You can't. You know, fitness just feels like a gamble at the moment. Um, and we're finding a way. We're finding a way because the players that were scoring last season seem to have stepped up again a little bit. Like you think about Saka now scoring a lot more goals and. Trossard now chipping in as well. But, you know, it's like our defenders are scoring a shitload of goals as well. You know, Gabriel scoring, Saliba scored today. I don't know how long you can sustain that for. And it does, I just wonder, is there going to be a point in the season where that lack of having a proper striker might cost us a little bit? Again, if everyone else pitches in and we have that sort of team where your your wide players or your attacking players each get, you know, plenty of goals basically and Erdogan starts coming up with a few as well then maybe we again maybe we cope but yeah that's probably the that's probably the area that concerns me the most because I, we saw it in the first half of the season there were tight games where it felt like throwing on a I, I've been saying it for ages but throwing on an Ivan Tony, and I don't think Ivan Tony is necessarily a bench player as such but you have an Ivan Tony in your squad and in those nil nils or the games where you need a goal you're one nil down you bring him on, you you know, if you're dominating possession, he's probably going to get to a couple of chances and he probably takes one of them. Um, and he's just, he's a, he's a striker that isn't afraid to shoot. And I feel like we probably have quite a few players that sometimes just don't necessarily want to shoot as much as they do want, want to assist or want to create. So yeah, I think that that's probably the only, that's probably the only area that, concerns me a little bit but I think across the team we look we look really good man like we've got really good options yeah I mean Aaron do you, do you have any anything to add to that yeah I mean yeah the striker thing is something that does concern me I'm, I'll probably go a bit further when you say we have no strikers I think I'm still not convinced Gabriel Jesus is a, a striker in the traditional sense yeah he's a, he's a brilliant player but you see him as more think, of a Firmino type yeah he's yeah, I think he's. It, I reckon there's probably a scenario where he kind of just becomes our second choice right wing at some point, right winger, in the sense that you. I don't think. I think if we kind of build our squad and getting carried away and talking about the summer now, but we always say we need a Saka backup. But actually, if you, you sign a, a striker, Gabriel Jesus could become your Saka backup. And I think. And there should be games where you can just rotate. Yeah, you can play him up front and play him as a nine in some games. But actually, if Saka's not feeling 100% or, God forbid, even Saka you know, gets injured or you know, drops his form for a few a few weeks, you can play Gabriel Jesus. Like, Gabriel Jesus is the type of player you can play out wide and play alongside a, a proper striker. Um, and, and then you've got Eddie, who you know I think is a proper striker, but just clearly isn't at the level we need and just has... Yeah, is way way too inconsistent to kind of for us to be able to rely on him, and I think he's kind of fallen down the packing order a bit over the last couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, I mean, we won six nil today, right? But imagine what what score would have been like if we had a, a proper striker on the pitch. Um, because, it, yeah. yeah, I think no, no, because you're right. Like today was, you know, two defenders scored. Um, Rice scored a phenomenal goal, and then we had goals from like Trossard and Saka, right? And Saka, like, and that's the system, right? The system is we rely on the the non strikers to do what they need to do, and whoever's playing that number nine role is kind of mainly responsible for just getting the most out of Saka and Martinelli. 
um, and chipping in. And, and that's the system and it works, right? But sometimes it doesn't work, right? Because you need then that, that middle player, the number nine, to be on it, to be running all over the place, to have the energy levels. And then you also need Sacra Martinelli to take the chances that come their way. And that's basically what went wrong in December was none of those things were happening. Like Sacra Martinelli went on it. Whoever was playing up front, Jesus, Eddie, Trossard, they didn't look great. Um, and it and it all just went a bit wrong. And and let's yeah, so I think it would be really good to just add a goal scorer, someone who um I can't remember who I think it was maybe Ian Wright was talking about this on some podcast or or Roy Keane. It's just someone who, even when you win three or four nil, that they're just really pissed off that they haven't scored. Um yeah. that you know, you watch like just an elite finisher who's someone who gets the ball and you know that they're just gonna smash that ball towards the target at 150 miles an hour and give the keeper something to do. And we don't really have that. You said this Raj yesterday, right? Which is um the two goals that Haaland scored yesterday. Um I don't know if there's anyone at Arsenal who could do that. Um and it'll do it naturally, and that's their like that's their game. That's their MO, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think you do kind of need that. Maybe not at week, every week, but you need that at least off the bench when you need to mix it up. Yeah, certainly. It's funny because on one hand, we it's like playing football manager, isn't it? When, when you're kind of fans here and you sort of say, oh yeah, we just get a top striker and add them in and, and hey, presto. But at the end of the day... Um, there are systems, there's so many things that are under the bonnet that, you know, we aren't necessarily kind of as technically appreciate, uh, technically proficient enough to even like verse on a sort of podcast like this even. Um, and, and part of that is my concern a little bit. We're sort of assuming that Arteta is going to go in the summer and he's going to go and he's going to look for this elite finisher. Um, and maybe he is. I, I mean, I, I certainly think we'll be looking for a striker in the summer, don't get me wrong. But I will think, I do think Arteta will have in mind that he he obviously has ideas of what how he wants us to play in the different systems. And 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 I think we've, we've got lots of different things that we do currently. I think he will be cautious about the idea of perhaps having to change a lot just to facilitate perhaps some kind of lethal finisher when we're already doing so many interesting things incredibly well. I mean, Maybe this is a discussion for another day because you know we're, we're sort of coming up to it. But we should we should talk about um, sort of what we would like to see in the summer because I think there's a world where you don't go out and sign another top striker. In in fact, you just sign a another type of midfielder, another type of you know winger, like something like this, where where actually it just becomes getting more out of the current the, the systems that we have currently and not having to change that much. I, I don't know. I think I, I imagine part of it will be dictated about who's available in the summer etc um but just i'm conscious of time guys we're you know it'd be, it'd be nice to sort of wrap up soon we've got burnley next week burnley away um i think on paper you'll all agree it as far as fixtures go it could be harder but have we entered that period in the season where like it doesn't really matter where the league table itself could almost be a bit misleading because you have to understand now what teams are playing for. And right now is, is it a case where you probably don't want to be playing a Burnley? You'd rather be playing, you know, someone who's kind of around that 11th, 12th kind of place, as opposed to someone at the bottom. Um, What do you guys think? I'll go to you, Mice first. 
Not necessarily, not really. I think it's still like obviously Burnley, we know what they're playing for, but I think even when you look at teams that are, yeah, 11th, 12th, or mid table, they're, you know, it's not, it's not like there's two or three games to go and they know that, you know, they've, that's the, they're going to, they're not, they, they can't uh, finish any higher than a certain position, right? So even the teams that are 10th might be, have, might have an eye on, you know, top eight, top seven, whatever, you know. Um, so not necessarily. I think, I think with Burnley, like specifically, like they, they actually caused Liverpool a few problems um, yesterday. Um, and it'll be interesting. Like they're obviously fighting for their lives, but I mean, I'm just looking at the league table. They've got 13 points this season from 24 games now, and they've conceded 50 goals. Like I, I can't see a world where the Arsenal that turned up today turn up again on when are we playing them Monday night is it no whenever we're playing them next Sunday I think no is it just Saturday 3pm is it oh Saturday 3pm Sheffield United uh, Monday night I'm thinking of Sheffield United yeah yeah yeah. sorry yeah so sorry Um, I just can't see a world where this Arsenal team turn up and don't do the same thing and obviously look famous last words but I fully expect us to go there and, and and score a few goals and win fairly comfortably I just, yeah, unless there's any injury concerns or anything come out of today's game, I can't, I just can't see why we don't go win that game. Um, And look, let's be honest, if we don't go win that game, then we're not. uh, Everything we've just said for the last hour or so, you know, throw that in the bin because like, yeah, we're not, if you want to be a serious team and go and challenge for the title and you were talking about being almost perfect and not being able to slip up and being the team that pounces on, a Liverpool or a City when they slip up, then Burnley away is just a game you have to go and win. There's no, there's no excuses. There's no, there's, there's no excuses. Even if we don't have Declan Rice, for example, or we don't have Sleeper, still should go and win that game. So, um, yeah, man. Like I, I, yeah, I just think absolutely we're we're so much better than them. Obviously, um, we just need to go and get three points and get out of there asap. And Aaron, and do you think that there's a chance that City and Liverpool could drop points on the weekend, assuming that we win? And could we make up any points? I mean, uh, Liverpool are Liverpool are away at Brentford, the early kickoff on the Saturday, and um, Man City are the late kickoff, playing against Chelsea at home. Man City have champ. Do they have Champions League this week as well? Oh, Champions League this week. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Champions yeah. League this week. And we've got Champions League. We've got Porto after week uh, Burnley, right? So. I think in that midweek. So we do. Um I don't know. I, I think yeah, I think what are Liverpool away at Brentford? Uh Liverpool are away, yeah. Okay, that'll be yeah, that I mean Brentford are picking up points now. Tony's obviously back finding you know, started to pick up a few more goals now. And I don't think they'll go down. Um but no, I think like you look at that league table, Burnley and Sheffield United are done. They are done. They are not I don't think they're going to even come close to staying up. So we have to go there. We have to win. I think the key will be avoid injury and then just try and stay as fresh as we can for Porto. Because I think it feels like, it feels like the run-in has kind of started now, right? Like after we beat Liverpool, the run-in began. It's not like, it's not the final run-in where Sky like starts showing the games and, you know, doing that table with all, all the things but it's it's getting close to that and i think you look at the fixtures and i always try and look at these in in like blocks i know my you hate hate this but then um i was like the next block is basically up in the league up until man city because that's the next like real challenging game i think we've got 
Uh, we've got Burnley, then we've got oh, Newcastle, is it? Newcastle, Newcastle, Sheffield United, I think it's Chelsea, then it's City or something like that. Um, and I think you missed a game. Did you miss a game? Sheffield uh, United, you missed. Yeah, you said that. I it's, said Sheffield uh, United. Brentford, oh, sorry. Brentford. 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 Okay, fine. And again, these are like, I'm, I'm going to look until that chunk and say, like, if we can do just put a run together and turn up to City just on a run because I'm sure that's exactly what City are going to do and maybe just hope that you know I don't know if Chelsea play Liverpool I mean City play Liverpool before they play us but um, and just hope that we can get you know one of these teams drop something then you never know right I think Gary Neville's been saying this you know I very rarely agree with what Gary Neville says but he he kind of said on Sky today that we've kind of just been a bit under the radar in in terms of how we've approached this season and I think the more I think about it, I think the, the more right he is in that the atmosphere this season, that people have been cl- complaining about the home atmosphere. And I think, actually, like what happened to us last season really took its toll on us as a fan base. <laughs> and yeah. I think this year we've learned to be like, look, we were so hyped and we were so hyped every game. And then we went into that run-in and we got beaten. And I think this year we've just kind of waited and waited and waited and we've gradually just built ourselves up where actually I think, you know, the home game, we've got Newcastle coming up on a Saturday night. That I think the home, the atmosphere there will be wicked because I think we're just building up and we're just staying under the radar and hopefully we're just now going to go and go bang and really attack this title race. Um, so, yeah, but as Maya said, all of that goes out the window if we go and lose to bloody Burnley. So, no, I'm, I'm hopeful we win. Um, and I think... We'll just have to go from there and just just see where we go, man. Let's just see where we go, yeah. see where we end up, and just see I, if we can just match these other two phenomenal teams that we're up against. I, th- I think if we do what you sort of indicated that we think we can do, Aaron, which is win the next, what, four or five, four, four games, five games before we play yeah. City. I mean, look, mate, if we go and do that, if you add that to the four games that we've just won in, in January and February, that's a fucking quality you know, to win nine games in a row is not easy. Mm-hmm. And there's some very tough Liverpool in there as well as a, as a game that we just won last week. And I I don't think, I mean, yeah, Liverpool City's in that period as well before we play City. It is. Obviously okay. one of those. Yeah, I yeah, think it so. Is. So one of those. And, 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 and Man, Man City are playing United the, and yeah, the, the game before that. Yeah. So so I think, I mean, just I was, what I was going to say was, I don't think Liverpool, if, if we can be that consistent, I'm not sure Liverpool match it, City, yeah, we know, but I don't think Liverpool will. I don't think Liverpool pick up 15 out of 15 points, for example, personally. Um, So I think there's, yeah. And then I think there's maybe a conversation to be had about, okay, yeah, what, you know, yeah, are we the closest challengers to City and and what can we actually do? But still feels like, I know what you mean, Aaron, and like the run-in started, but at the same time, it still feels like quite a way away. Well, I think we're like one... We're we're in the, we're in it, but we're also like one punch away from being knocked out of it, right? Like we lose to Burnley, yeah. then it, I think that's it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's one of those. It's weird, right? Brilliant. Well, look, mate, guys, absolute pleasure to be back. It's like we've never been away. Thank you for spending. I know, but thank you for spending <laughs> Sunday evening um, with me. And look, I hope everyone who joined the podcast tonight, Charles, Russ, thank you for your participation, and um, yeah, for everyone listening. Sorry that we took so long to get back on, but we are back and this was really fun. So we cannot wait until we record next. And I think that will be next Sunday, hopefully, fingers crossed. 
So, Myers, Aaron, and thank you, boys. Thank you very That's much. Right. It's good to be back. So have a good night, all. Excellent. Cheers. See ya. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you later. Bye.